0: Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts.
1: Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.
2: Hi, this is Shannon Doherty, host of the new podcast, Let's Be Clear with Shannon Doherty. So in this podcast, I'm gonna be talking about marriage, divorce, my family, my career. I'm also going to be talking a lot about cancer, the ups and the downs, everything that I've learned from it. It's going to be a wild ride. So listen to Let's Be Clear with Shannon Doherty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.
3: Fear of the unknown is the greatest fear of all. And for millions of Americans, there is no greater unknown than Alzheimer's disease. I'm Dana Torito, a writer and Alzheimer's advocate. On my podcast, The Memory Whisperer, I strive to calm your fears about the disease through thoughtful conversations with experts, care partners, and more. Action
2: is the antidote for fear.
3: Listen to The Memory Whisperer on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
0: This is Unbreakable with Jay Glazer, a mental health podcast helping you out of the gray and into the blue. Now, here's Jay Glazer. Welcome into Unbreakable Mental Health Podcast with Jay Glazer. I'm Jay Glazer. And today, before I get to him, though, I have a, a really special friend, a close friend of mine. He used to be a training partner of mine. And this guy has like reinvented himself over and over and over and over what the great ones do. Before I get to him, I just want to chime in with a start here from our sponsor. If you're like many people, you may be surprised to learn that one in five adults in this country experienced mental illness last year. Yet far too many fail to receive the support they need. Carolyn Behavioral Health is doing something about it. They understand that behavioral health is a key part of whole health, delivering compassionate care that treats physical, mental, emotional, and social needs in tandem. Carolyn Behavioral Health, raising the quality of life through empathy and action. Action is probably the best way I can describe my friend coming in here. It is the one and only, the Ms. WWE star, Hollywood star, Reality TV star, like I could say that, right? that what it's called from back in the day? But man, just an overall great dude. We used to train together at Unbreakable Performance Center. Man, he is one of my favorite dudes, and he is also the man who led the Cleveland Browns out of the tunnel for their first opening game win this year against the Cincinnati Bengals. And I'm thinking, that's probably what you're most proud of these days, isn't it?
4: I mean, let me tell you what, by the way, what an introduction. Oh my gosh. I mean, it's like you've been doing this for years. I mean, maybe you can come to WWE and just introduce me all day, every day. Let's go. But yeah, like, let me tell you something. When, when they called the Cleveland Browns call and say, Hey, would you like to be the dog pound captain? And what you get to do as a dog pound captain is you take a guitar. Obviously the Rock and roll Hall of Fame is in Cleveland. You take a guitar with the opposing team on it. Like, their logo, like, it was the the Cincinnati Bengals. It said A on it, and you slam it up against uh, an amplifier, and smoke comes out of it, and you just break a guitar. Like, it's like every kid's dream. And so I got to actually do that for the home opener, and what a game it was. In the rain, just the Browns, like, people are like, oh, same old Browns. This isn't the same old Browns. That defense is revamped, revitalized, and took Joe Burrow out. And so it was a fun game to watch, fun game to be there in person, whether it was raining or sunshine, I don't care. To see the Browns and the way they, they conducted themselves during that game was unbelievable and it- dominated the Cincinnati Bengals. I love it.
0: What was a bigger rush for you? Like, you headlined WrestleMania one year, right? Headlining WrestleMania were this experience.
4: Oh, come on. I mean, anytime you could headline WrestleMania and be the main event and you go up against John Cena and you're the WWE champion and you walk in the WWE champion and you walk out the WWE champion. And by the way, The Rock, uh, biggest movie star in the world, was involved in that match. I mean, that's one of the most memorable moments I've ever had. Unfortunately, I actually don't actually remember it because I got a concussion at the end of the match. Man. And so, yeah, it was it was crazy. Like, uh, my head hit the cement. And I just, I kind of like, I, I have little, like the one moment you always want to remember for the rest of your life is the one moment I, I have bits and pieces that I remember, but I don't remember. If that makes any sense at all.
0: Yeah, of course. Hey, you're talking to the guy who's been concussed quite a bit. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So wait, Gary, so, man. So you're, so you, so you're concussed. When do you kind of come to and realize what has just happened?
4: Later on. No, yeah. So, so later on that night, I would say I remember going back into the gorilla position as we call it which is right when you go out whenever we go out into the audience onto the ramp we leave a place called the gorilla position where all the people are telling you you know your music goes and that's where you the entrance to the ramp is and that's where you go back into so once I hit the gorilla position I remember being in there and I think I was like apologizing profusely like I messed everything up because I was concussed. I don't. I don't remember anything. So I, I, I imagined I messed the whole main event of WrestleMania up. Luckily, I didn't, and it came off like perfectly. And not many people knew exactly what was going on, except for the 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 professionals that were in there. I was very fortunate to have someone like The Rock and John Cena, and even uh, Mike Yoda, who was the referee in there, to kind of guide me safely throughout the the whole the, the whole time we were in there.
0: Did they know that you're not... So, that- they like helped you through.
4: Yeah, so basically, they, wow. everyone was guiding really? me safely throughout this entire thing and made sure that I was able to do what I needed to do without the audience knowing because we're live. This is the main event, oh, right? You know, and of the Super Bowl. And, uh, for, you for want this? Yeah. yeah, you're at the Super Bowl and you got to You don't want to leave. And, and by the way, I don't have fifty fifty two other or fifty two people to rely on. It's just me and the people that are in that ring. So it's me, Cena, Rock. And Mike Kyoto are the only people that we can rely on. And obviously, the trainers and everyone and the doctors are all there. And everyone's making sure that I can get through that match and go through what I need to do. But by the way, it was at the end of the match. So luckily, it was kind of all over. But I just remember going to the grill position. I remember being back there being like, wow, I think I messed up everything. And then I remember going back to the trainer, everyone getting me okay. Uh, I remember going back, talking with my wife uh, Maurice and just being like, and she's just like, you did great. You did great. But I was like, not necessarily depressed, but it was like a, God, I remember the next day, everything was just foggy. And I was like, wow, like everything's just kind of foggy. And, uh, but now like I I look at, look back on it and I watch that match. It's hard to watch. Um, but it's like, it went off without a hitch. It It, it it did great. What's that? Why is it hard to watch? I don't know. You don't, I don't like seeing myself concussed. Do you?
0: Oh, you're, seeing, you're saying the yeah, end. Okay. That part. Okay.
4: Yeah. Me? i
0: am seeing myself knocked out quite a bit. Yeah. When you originally got into, to wrestle, right. What's more taxing on you, the developmental league
4: or the big leagues? Um, You know, it's, so it's, it's kind of interesting. So I started in California, a place called an El Segundo called UPW ultimate pro wrestling. And I paid like $2,500, to learn the art of professional wrestling, and they taught me how how to do the art. You know what I had to do in the ring to succeed. Uh, finally, I got on a show called Tough Enough, which was a reality show where you could win a contract to WWE. I didn't win; I got second place, but I impressed the execs so much that they gave me a contract to our developmental system, which was brand new at the time um called deep south wrestling so i went to mcdonough georgia moved from la packed up all my stuff moved to mcdonough georgia and started training under bill Demott. and i swear to you every day i would go one more day you can do it one more day you can do it like because your body is aching and they're it's almost it almost felt like they're trying to break you because they're preparing you for what you have to get ready for to get into monday night raw Friday night SmackDown, is this guy in love with the business? Does he Is he here for the right reasons? Or is he just here to be famous or money? And I'm a guy off a reality show, so everyone expected me to just be like, I'm here to be famous. I don't love this business. But I did truly, genuinely love the art of professional wrestling. I've loved it since I was a child. I loved Ultimate Warrior, you know, Hulk Hogan, Macho Man Randy Savage. Like, these were all my heroes, my idols growing up. And so to be able to do what they were doing, I wanted to put it full force. So going to McDonough, it was tough training, like very, very tough. I remember sweating, breathing heavy, every day thinking, man, should I just quit? Should I just give up? I mean, does can my body take it? Can my mind take it mentally and physically? Can I do this? I don't know if I can. And every day going, one more day, you can do it. One more day, you can do it. One more day, you can do it. And so finally, I was six months there i became the first ever deep south heavyweight champion and once i was there one of the sayings that they would say was if you can sell out in i guess you could say the developmental system because we would have shows every every thursday we would have a show and if you can sell out this show which is like two three hundred people then you go to the next territory that's the old school way there was territories everywhere and superstars would go from territory to territory." to sell out everywhere. If you can sell out everywhere, then you're a bona fide worldwide superstar. So when I was world heavyweight champion or deep south heavyweight champion, we were selling out every show. So then they moved me to Ohio Valley Wrestling in Louisville because I was there for six months in deep south, moved me to Louisville. And so we went to Louisville and it was tough because I was a good guy at deep south oh. wrestling. I was a good guy. I, I, and by the way, that's all I knew. So when I went to Ohio Valley Wrestling, they hated me. Cause I was this guy from real world and it was a little bit, uh, it was a different territory, different audience, different people. So now I had to learn how to utilize this audience. Like I did down at deep South because deep South, it was like, Oh, it just came to me. Now I actually had to really work and try to figure out this audience. That's where I, Paul Heyman came up to me and he goes, you know why this isn't working? And I was like, nah, I no I, came I up figure- yeah. Okay. Yeah. And he goes, you're not a good guy. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, You're a heel, which is a bad guy, as a term for bad guy in our our world. And I was like, I don't know. He goes, watch. So Paul and I sat down, and we came up with a promo, and I went out there. And I don't think I've been a good guy for the last 20 years uh, (laughs) in WWE because of that moment, that one moment where Paul was like, you're not a good guy. You're a bad guy. And from there, I went six months in uh, Ohio Valley Wrestling. We were selling out every night. And they brought me up to SmackDown as like the host. And I didn't want to be a host. I want to be like, you know, I want to be a guy that puts asses in seats. You know, I want to be the guy that that people paid tickets for. And a host being the next Ryan Seacrest is not going to do it in WWE. Credit Ryan Seacrest, very talented person, no (laughs) doubt in my mind. But I want to be like the biggest star in WWE, not a host. But I figured if they can give me a microphone, no problem. I can I can set myself up and make sure that they want to punch me or beat me up or do whatever to where they have to get me in the ring. And that's exactly kind of what happened. So you ask, like, a long story short, what's harder, developmental or being in WWE? It's all tough. If you want to be a superstar in any sport, in anything that you are doing, the developmental is very difficult because you're trying to learn the process and your brain is absorbing something brand new. But once you're there, and you know what you're doing, you're still learning. And I'm still, even 20 years to this day, I'm still a sponge. I'm still absorbing everything. I learned from so many people. When you introduced me to Sean McVay, and it was before he won the Super Bowl, before when he first got a coach, you had him working out with me. And I was like, wow, this guy is so young, and he's the head coach of the the, the Los Angeles Rams. I mean, this is crazy. And then once I worked out with him, I was like, wow, I will run through a wall with this guy. Like this is this, there there's, there's something special about him. And so from that day, I was learned I took something from that day wow. and then sitting down with dinners that you've, that you've brought me to with him, talking to him, having conversation with him, with him, his motivation, his dedication. You could see the, the star power of why he is a head coach and a successful head coach on who he is, because when you work at it, when you work at your job, and when you work at your profession and you keep working, no matter what. And you're always learning, always progressing and learning from everybody. It's, it's a tough question. What's right. the hardest there. There's no hardest. It's all hard. Right. If you want to be right. successful.
0: I got two questions off of that. Before we do that, we got to talk about the, just a real side note here. The coincidence of coincidences. I hope these two guys have to go work out. Unbreakable is great place because everybody trains together i had john lynch training with sly stallone
4: i have the you know rock is coming in there going with this bird, this part. i meet you you come to one of my parties right and i meet you for the first time you're like come to my gym you're gonna love it i'm like ah yeah whatever so i call you i go hey do you mind if i can stop by yeah sure no problem i walk in so fester stallone is sitting there just doing shrugs and i'm like what is this place this is absolutely <laughs> right. nuts like Every celebrity you could possibly think of is, like, there. Or athlete. Like, Terrell Owens is there, like, on the running machine, like, slides over here doing shrugs. You know, you have you – have, uh, Demi Lovato's uh, kicking Demi over there. Demi Lovato's Whiz kicking, kicking – Wiz over here throwing elbows. I'm, yeah. I'm like, what is <laughs> – what is this place? Like, all different walks of life. It's not just sports. It's not music. It's not just – it's everything. And I was like, this is the greatest gym I've ever seen in my entire life because everyone was – by the way, no one was a superstar there. Right. everyone was oh, like yeah. it's almost like a family and everyone like kind of yeah. gelled together and what the thing i love most about unbreakable that what you did was the, the merging vets and players you would have all these veterans come in on like a certain day i think it was like a What's wednesday and I'll never, forget, I'll never forget i'll never forget wit coming in and it was the first time i ever met Whit, Dude, Andrew Whitworth. Whitworth, and uh he What's had like, like he was he was talking to these 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 kids, and all these people that were there were vets, like there were kids, there were older people, and everyone was just talking about their story and what they're dealing with, and wit was so honest and so so involved. And it was just it was a very cool just thing that 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 I got to experience and be there with and hear their stories and make me appreciate our vets even more than I already did. And I've been to Iraq. I've been I've done shows. I've done tours with USO. Uh, but to be in there in that gym and work out with the veterans and you give them a place to kind of open up and and kind of tell their story and look at the support system that they had. It was unbelievable.
0: I appreciate that, brother. Yeah, and look, our it's not a gym, it's a mental health place, right? We're a community and we're a family, especially it's a scarier world. But the thing that I set I set him up with Chris Shula, and, and who's a linebacker coach with the Rams right now, and Sean McVay, right? And you guys start talking and you're like, Hey, where'd you go to school? Oh, I went to Miami, Ohio, right? And then yeah. Sean's like, I went to Miami, Ohio. Where'd you go? Uh, you guys end up you lived in the same
4: building, right? The I know. Same- we right? lived in we lived in Sim's uh dorm and then not only that, like <laughs> I was like, did you ever go to attractions? <laughs> did you ever go to first run? And we were like stadium. And we were great. like talking like, I was like, what is this? This is crazy. <laughs> See, people don't
0: know that. Ms. Sean McVay went to the same school, lived in the same dorm. People have no idea. Miami about- of Ohio,
4: baby. Uh-huh. Miami of Ohio. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what
0: you've
5: worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip, who do you think?
1: It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka.
5: And I'm Skip Bronson. tell it like it is, and even sing a song or two. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Fear of the unknown is the greatest fear of all. And for millions of Americans, there is no greater unknown than what to do when faced with an Alzheimer's diagnosis. My name is Dana Torito, and my podcast, The Memory Whisperer, takes a closer look at Alzheimer's disease and those affected by it. Like many of you, I've experienced the disease firsthand. I've been an advocate and care partner for decades and have written extensively about the subject. Each week, I'll talk to people who've been personally affected by the disease and learn how they coped with it. Folks like TV personality, Lisa Gibbons. Action is the antidote for fear. And nurse and dementia researcher, Dr. Fayron Epps. We no longer can be silent. We have
2: to speak up. We have to share our experiences so we can help each other and learn from each other.
3: Listen to The Memory Whisper on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
1: So how
0: much were you getting paid in the developmental league?
4: For a week. Oh, gosh. A that year back, whatever. Then, yeah. back then, not much. I mean, you were getting not paid. Not so I think, honestly, I think from the real world, so when I was on the real world, and obviously before I was in WWE, I was on a show called The Real World, very popular show on MTV. I did all the challenges. So I was winning these challenges, so I was making quite a bit of money back then. Like, I would make, if you'd win a, a challenge, you'd make like 50 grand, and then I would go do college tours where I would get paid like Anywhere from $1,500 to $3,000 to do motivational speeches. Now, I didn't graduate from Miami of Ohio, but real world is so much like college that colleges would pay me to come motivate their students. And I looked at it as a way to cut promos, you know, huh. learn how to cut promos, learn breath. how to use, you, you know, hone my craft in a different way to get an audience. And thousands of people would come and, you know, watch these speeches that I would do from the schools. I, I went to every college you can think of. It was crazy. And then I'd also do like I'd get paid to go to host parties. So nice. I was getting paid a lot. But then I also I created a merchandise line where I had t-shirts because I saw that WWE, you know, their their superstars had t-shirts. And I figured, well, if they have t-shirts, I'm gonna make my own t-shirts and show that I can sell t-shirts. Wow. So I would wear these t-shirts on the on on the challenges and then I would sell them. So if anyone ever got a B Miz t-shirt that was off my website, Then they were getting it from me. Like I was stuffing these T-shirts in and posting them and and taking them all to the to to the post office every single week. It was it was crazy. So I was making a lot of money. I was making six figures when I got in developmental. I was I took a pay cut because I wanted to. I I said I can take a pay cut in this because I am I believe that I can make more. And so I I invested in myself. I've always invested in myself. A lot of people are like. You know, oh, when when I won to challenge my first challenge, I moved to L.A. I paid for acting classes, improv classes, and learning the art of professional wrestling (UPW) wrestling classes. So, and then I also was like, all right, where do all like the big world trainers, Gold's Gym? So I was in Santa Monica at the time. This was before Unbreakable, by the way. And so I was in Santa Monica. Where do you go? The Mecca. You go to Gold's Gym, right? And so. Uh, worked out there, got a nutritionist. So I invested all my money that I would make into myself. I bought all these t-shirts ahead of time and got them like $3 a t-shirt and sold them for like 15 bucks a t-shirt. And so I would make money off of them, but it wasn't for me. It wasn't necessarily to make money. It was necessary to promote myself and get people talking about me and get to people talking about that. So WWE'd see that. WWE did see that. They gave me a contract. I took a pay cut, went to McDonough, Georgia. Then I went to Louisville. And then from Louisville, I got, like, into WWE and started making the money that I thought I could possibly make.
0: And I want people to hear this also because, the, you know, the secret to success is out working the world and being miserable and broke and getting turned down and rejected for years and years. My first Super Bowl I covered in 1995, the New York Post said, if you can get yourself down there, we'll pay you $250, but I had to write eight stories for 250 bucks. And then New York One TV said, if you can get yourself down there, We'll give you $150 for three hits. So $450 total. So I got myself down there, but I, I don't remember how I got myself because I was making nine grand a year during that time. And I was so broke. I could
4: tell you how you got down there. And I, I don't even know the story. <laughs> I know you, Jay. Jay you're, I got a down, yeah. per, you're, you're a people person yeah. and you're just a likable human being. I appreciate and, it. And, and, and you I still got a, a flight. I don't that, remember how I got the flight. You have an, an amazing ability to bring people together and to unite people. And I've never seen anyone do it as well as you. So when you say, oh, I don't know how I got down there, I knew exactly how you got down there. You met one guy, this guy was like, Oh, let me introduce you to my buddy here. Oh, okay. Hi. Hi, I'm Jay. Hi, I'm Jay. <laughs> and all of a sudden, there you are on the floor or on the on the field. And and how did I get there? Because you're just a people person. And that's what
0: you gotta do. Right. But that's but my point is it's the grind. Like you gotta put that grind in. I had to put that grind in. People nowadays, they're like, oh my gosh, they're so in the tank because it doesn't happen for them overnight. Shit does not happen overnight. Mine was 11 years worth making 9,450 bucks a fucking year until I finally got a job for 50 grand for CBS. Was, that was bleak, but the, again, I invested in myself. You invested in yourself by deciding to outwork the world. The other question I had for you is you realized that your lane of success is to be the heel. Okay. That is such a rare trait. So I'm a sensitive.
4: Now, so, when you have a face like this, I have a very comfortable face, Jay. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm
0: sensitive as shit. Like, I broke, you know, look, I break a story. You know, remember that one year I broke, uh, you know, Giants were going to trade Odell Beckham, and I got murdered, and so did every one of the followers Unbreakable and Unbreakable, people just destroying it. Like, holy shit, ball. And I can't, I, I'm sensitive. I can't take shit like that. How are you able to, like, compartmentalize and take the hate that you're making sure you get?
4: There's a lot of people in, you know, even in WWE right now that do not like getting hated on. Do not like getting yeah. booed. They love the cheers. They live for the cheers. I, I guess I'm different that way. I've always been a button pusher, and so if I see a button, I'm going to push it. And I enjoy the boo. And I see I you love as the, the most lovable I dude. Love, I, I see you different. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. yeah I, I, maybe I'm just. I don't know. Maybe I'm just confident with myself and my ability, and know that I am truly, genuinely, always doing right. I feel like. But my character in WWE is a bad guy, egotistical, arrogant. But there's a reason that he, and I always think about like mentally, all right, what's going on in the Miz's brain? Like the Miz character in WWE, why is he acting the way he's acting? And the main reason I always come up with is I never got the respect I feel like I've ever deserved. And when I walk out there and people are booing me, you shouldn't be booing me. You should be booing the guy. Like, why are you booing me when the guy across the, 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 the ring from me, the per, my opponent, the person I'm going up against has done X, Y, and Z. And whenever I do X, Y, and Z, the same thing, you boo me, but you cheer him. So this person can, can do something the same exact thing I do and you cheer him and then I get booed. So that's all the mentality in there. And I never take anything, I guess, too seriously. And it just doesn't bother me. I'll go on X and I'll look at all the comments, just the hatred. Really? Oh, the Miz sucks. I can't stand him. He's he's nothing. He's, it motivates me. It fuels really? my fire. Oh, I oh can't my stand. God. I
0: can't deal with
4: it. There, there I, nothing I, I, more. I
0: erased mine. I I hired somebody to do my own social media. I can't do it. I can't look at DMs. Nothing. Can't do it. Really? really? <laughs> do you have? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm sensitive. I love
4: it. Shit, dude. I'm sensitive. I love the with, blogs. Absolutely. I love the blogs. I love the the the, the tweets or the oh. X's, whatever you want to call them now. Like, I enjoy reading wow. all about the hatred and disdain. And then whenever I find something that has really poked the bear, I'll poke it even more. And I'll find more ammo for it or more ammunition so they'll boo me even more. What about in public? In public? Honestly, people don't hate me in public. When I went to when I went to the Browns game as the dog pound captain, everyone was like Ms, Miz, Miz. I love you. I love you on Dancing with the Stars. I love you on Ms. and Mrs. Oh my God! Blah blah blah. Like, oh, you're the worst. You're the worst in WWE, but it's so much fun to hate you. You know, it's like, oh, thank you. It's it's more compliments than anything else. Really? Yeah,
0: I'm not. Yeah, I I, I remember, uh, and actually, I've never said this publicly, but uh, I've broken a story when we were in Arizona. The Patriots were flying in to play the uh, Seahawks, and, again, they didn't hand the ball to Marshawn. And I reported that as the Patriots were on the plane, I reported that they found who they accused of of tampering with the balls for deflacate. And then they have the video of it, and they got these guys, and they all this video. And by the time they landed, well, man, we're down there, and all these Patriots fans are hating me. And I'm like, all right, no problem. Just don't, just don't touch me. And twice, someone grabbed me, and I ended up snatching two – Patriot fans in front of my bosses at Fox. And I was just like, hey, 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 you, you can't touch me. And then one celebrity came and jumped my shit over. And I'm not going to say his fucking name, but I was like, hey, you fucking play a tough guy on TV. Let's not get our roles mixed up here. But I,
3: and
4: I, That's why
0: I was at like, and these, so these are football fans. They go a little nuts. So you've never had a wrestling fan
4: take it too far with you. Not yet. No, wow. I've never had that, that happen. Um, I've been very fortunate in that instance. And I think our, our fans, they're very dedicated and very loyal. I don't think our fans, maybe they would do that, but so oh. far I haven't had the experience of doing that. Now, granted, I have been in, you know, overseas where someone threw a drink that I don't believe was a drink at me. And so we I've, I've had things thrown at me uh in the ring, but I always take that as a compliment, to be honest, that I'm doing my job, that you're hating me as much. so but I've never had anyone throw at me, but I also don't like hang out at the bars at two and two, three o'clock in the morning, uh waiting for someone to like kind of egg it on. If someone is, you know, oh, whoop, blah, oh, whoop, Mrs. Ass, blah 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 blah," like I'll just be like, "You know what? Yes, you can. Good job." perfect does that make you happy if that makes you happy then i'll just walk away because i'd rather i'd rather walk away than then get a lawsuit for millions of dollars because right. i elbowed someone in a mosh fit or something like that i don't know
5: good song the johnny carson theme right hey who wrote that
1: skip who do you think it's your buddy hi everyone i'm paul anka
5: and i'm skip bronson
1: everybody including sitting presidents
5: so join us as we ask the questions they've not been asked before tell it like it is and even sing a song or two this is our podcast and we're going to do it our way listen to our way on the iheart radio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcast
3: fear of the unknown is the greatest fear of all And for millions of Americans, there is no greater unknown than what to do when faced with an Alzheimer's diagnosis. My name is Dana Torito, and my podcast, The Memory Whisperer, takes a closer look at Alzheimer's disease and those affected by it. Like many of you, I've experienced the disease firsthand. I've been an advocate and care partner for decades and have written extensively about the subject. Each week, I'll talk to people who've been personally affected by the disease and learn how they coped with it. Folks like TV personality, Lisa Gibbons. Action is the
2: antidote for fear.
3: And nurse and dementia researcher, Dr. Fayron Epps. We no longer can be silent. We have to speak up. We have to share our
2: experiences so we can help each other and learn from each other.
3: Listen to The Memory Whisper on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
2: Hi, this is Shannon Doherty, host of the new podcast, Let's Be Clear with Shannon Doherty. You may know me from, let's see, 90210, Charmed, Mallrats, Heathers. Probably also know me from my stage four cancer diagnosis and sharing that journey with so many of you. There's something so authentic about a podcast. It's me connecting, me talking raw in the moment. That's what my goal is to give you to talk about why I feel that cancer, to a certain extent, is a gift. What my responsibilities are as a person with cancer. Because I think that there's something so much bigger than me. And to be honest, I'm still trying to find out what that is. And maybe together, we'll find it. It's going to be a wild ride. So I hope that you all tune in. Listen to Let's Be Clear with Shannon Doherty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: What what motivates you to constantly throughout your life reinvent yourself?
4: Um, what motivates me to to keep reinventing myself? I guess the love of what I'm doing. I enjoy my job. People are always like, you know, you're, you're 43 years old. You know, how are you? How are you still going? How are you still doing this? How are you still loving it? It's because when you love your job, it's not a job. And so I am always trying to always evolve and figure out new ways to entertain and have fun. It's like, with WWE, it has such, uh, you know, it's not just WWE in the ring. I mean, we have shows now where it's like Ms. and Mrs. Now I have a production company that we're developing shows. So my wife and I are developing shows uh, for uh, other people as well as ourselves. Uh, we have a couple things on the horizon that I can't really discuss, but it's been great. You know, we started Mad Row Productions a couple years ago, and it, people have been, you know, lining up to like work with us. And so that's kind of cool. Yeah, that's, it's one of those things. Like, I guess it's always been since I was a kid, you know, when I was, you know, working at Mr. Hero, flipping burgers, working for my dad, dropping fries. You know, you wanted to do something better. So I went to college. And once I got into college, I saw that you could try out for the real world. Once I tried out for the real world, it changed my mindset that I could actually do what I wanted to do and not do what go against the grain, I guess you could say, because once you once you go to high school, you go to college after college, you go back to where you're from, you do your job, which is, you know, whatever it is that you set out to do in co- in college but real world changed my whole perspective on that and said if you have dreams you can pursue them. So once I got the dreams, I found the tools that I needed to pursue my dreams. There's different tools that you need to gather all so you can build the right career that you want. And so that's exactly what I did. I I worked my butt off. I progressed and progressed until I made it to the WWE utilizing real world to evolve into a WWE superstar. Then going to WWE and evolving my character from you know this reality star to the Hollywood A-lister to oh now he's got his own reality show now he's a two-time the only like the first ever two-time grand slam champion in the history of WWE it's not the rock it's not austin it's not hogan it's not shawn michael's it's it's not john cena i'm the first ever two-time grand slam champion in the history of WWE and most people wouldn't know that but it's it's the truth and it's crazy to me. And so how do I keep evolving? All right, you've done everything there is to do in WWE. No, I haven't. In my mind, I always want to be number one. I always want to be the WWE champion. I always want to be the main event of WrestleMania. And if I'm not there, I'm working my butt off to get there. And then how am I evolving from that? I'm evolving outside of WWE, doing the reality shows, doing the production company, doing the movies, doing the TV shows, acting, all these other things. Like I have, uh, I mean, honestly, I wrote, I wrote a, chi- a children's book that I was like, oh, I have two kids. I'm just going to write a book. And so every time I was on the airplane flying to wherever, I would just write this book. And so I wrote a book. And uh, now we're doing the illustrations and trying to find a publisher for it. So it's like my mind is always going. My mind is always trying to remain fresh and trying to do exactly what I need to do to get to where I want to be. And right now, I'm very happy.
0: That's incredible. So first of all, as far as your publisher, we'll talk offline here. I got people for you. And then yeah. when you're in the ring, this is what I love about, like, I was looking at, you. you're in the ring, you go on these tangents, right? When I'm on TV, I do minute and a half, minute hits, minute and a half hits, right? I I don't use teleprompter. When I was hosting for, like, UFC, I'd have to use teleprompter for sponsors But otherwise, on Fox NFL Sunday, I don't have teleprompter. and and, not, and we don't really rehearse. But, again, we're just going in little sports. You're going for like three minutes. Like, you're going long, long, long. Even when I'm doing doing ballers, I wasn't following my fucking scripts. I got the ADHD. I can't follow my scripts. What do you do when you go in? Are you – have you scripted it out, or do you just have bullet points? You kind of know where you're going.
4: How do you do it? Okay, so you say three minutes. I just had like – uh I don't know how long ago, but I just did a, a segment where I interviewed John Cena. And you know how John Cena says, you can't see me, yeah, right? Yeah. Right. Well. John Cena wasn't there, but I interviewed John Cena because you can't see him, but I can because I've been able to see John Cena since I beat him at WrestleMania. Right. So I interviewed nothing and no one for eight minutes. Eight minutes, and it was an and it was an inter- I even had a match with air. I had a match with air. I saw it. Yes, with, I saw it. With, with you can't see me, John Cena. I had a match with him. Put a skull crusher finale. How, like how I come up with these things is beyond me. Obviously, it's a team in WWE. You know, we have a lot of creative minds that make sure that our show goes on without a hitch and to do something like that, to go out there and literally have an interview with no one and make it entertaining in front of and live. You only get one take. And so do I memorize? uh, I memorize a certain portion of what I need to be memorized, but a lot of times when you're out there, things change. The audience isn't where they need to be. I need the audience to to be here, to react a certain way. If they're not reacting a certain way, I need to figure out how to get them to react that way, to to advance the story that I'm trying to portray and to advance my character. So yes, I have bullet points. Yes, I have a script in my mind of where I want to go and what I want to do and what I want to say. And I'll go over it and rehearse and rehearse, rehearse in my head. And a lot of times when I go out there, it changes because you don't know what the audience is going to do. Do
0: you rehearse it for... Half hour before, do you rehearse it for days, do you rehearse it for
4: No, hour? no, no, half hour before. Half yeah, hour. it's not days. Do you have, no, do you have to mean, run it past somebody else at WWE, what your script is going to be? Everything is is run past. Like, yeah, some of it, yes. Uh, but whenever you go out there and it's live and you have to change everything up, you can't go back and say, hey, I'm going to try this. You just kind of do it out there.
0: But uh, you got to work uh, beforehand and come in and say, okay, yeah, here's where I'm going to go. It's not like you're just showing up like you
4: know no yeah 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 I mean yeah no you can we have we have storylines in place we have larger than life characters this is like a you know a soap opera if you will uh you know and so we have stories that we have to portray so obviously all right what's the story we're trying to tell and how do we get from a to b all the way to where we need to go which is usually our pinnacle is a match
0: do they tell you this is the story we need you to go with or do you say do you try and sell it to them Hey, this is something. everything.
4: There's a lot of creative minds in this business where everyone is trying to put forth the best shows possible. So I'll put forth creative. Sometimes it's taken, other times it's not. And then sometimes it's given to me and I'm like, uh, this is great or I need to work on this to make it great. That kind of thing.
0: i tell you the bit, most impressive people in pro wrestling are, I don't know if you're allowed to say anything about this. And I obviously have a lot of friends in pro wrestling, but how, the, how your, your referee is like your director out there. And you just can never see it, like you never see that they're part of it.
4: Never, you know. They couldn't <laughs> even see John Cena a couple of weeks ago, so they can't see anything. That's the idea. That's why we're professionals, and yeah. we do what we do. Everyone always says, you know, oh, I could do this. Anyone could do this, oh, and then it's funny. Whenever we get, whenever we get like a sports figure or a celebrity, everyone always says, "Wow, this is a lot harder than I thought." Wait, you don't have teleprompters? Wait, you don't have cue cards? Wait this is live wait we don't get to tape no it's live it's in your face it's ready to go we don't get cue cards we don't get teleprompters you get one take and you're out there in front of 10 to 20,000 people if you're at Wrestlemania you're in front of 90,000 like literally George Kittle that day learned how to do everything he needed to do during that match I had with Pat McAfee right. like so you know for him to that come was out his there dream. and yes that was his dream uh, Yes. Yeah. Kittle, yes. And honestly, after he's done, after he's done with uh, the 49ers, like I think the dude could have a career if he wanted to. You know, he's such an athlete, great brain, but if he ever does that again, I'll have to put a skull crushing finale on
0: him. <laughs> I think he'd be perfect right there. I think he could be your next fucking WrestleMania opponent. No doubt he, he's bored for something like that. And it's natural too. Chill's hilarious, dude. If you're around, yeah. he's hilarious and he's not trying to be hilarious. It's a couple of guys like that, like Jared Allen was like that. Kittle's like that, too. He's not trying to be hilarious. He's fucking just hilarious. And it's just, yep. he'd, be, he'd be great for that. All right, listen, before I let you go, I ask all my my guesses. Give me your unbreakable moment in life. Like the one moment that should have or could have broken you and didn't. And as a result, you came out of the other side of that tunnel strong.
4: I think there's a couple moments. You know, I think the first moment is developmental. Developmental was very difficult for me. And like I said before, when we were talking, every day, and and this isn't a lie, this is absolute truth. I would get up, my body was aching, drunk bumps and bruises inside, outside, just absolutely aching. And every day I would wake up and say, One more day you could do this. One more day you could do this. That broke a lot of people. I watched a lot of people walk in developmental and walk right back out because they couldn't handle what it took to become a WWE superstar. And then There was a moment when I main evented WrestleMania. I lost the WWE championship. And then literally that entire year, I couldn't win a match. And I couldn't figure, I was at the top. Like, you you don't get higher than main eventing WrestleMania and retaining the WWE championship against the poster child of WWE at the time, John Cena, with The Rock in there. You don't get higher than that, right? So I lost the title. Then I started losing every single match. And by the time we got back to WrestleMania, I was almost not even on it. So I went from being the main event of WrestleMania to the very next year. I was like on a, on, I was in a mid, a, a middle, not a mid cup, but it was like a middle match team Johnny versus team Teddy, which I felt I was just thrown in there. Now, granted, I got the win. I got the W, but I just came off of main eventing WrestleMania and the very next year, I was almost not even on WrestleMania. Like I was, I was, I was almost like, poof, gone. And it was very embarrassing for me. Uh, what, did uh, that you, did you lose I, confidence? Like what? What had happened? You know, I, I I don't know what happened. You know, it just kind of like steamrolled. Like it kept on tumbling. It was like a domino effect. Like there's one loss, there's two loss, there's three loss, and I couldn't figure out how to maneuver myself to be a top tier talent. And it took. I would say six years of all of this and your brain is just doing numbers on you. And you're saying, am I good enough? Can I get back to where I was? What am I doing? Like, what am I doing wrong? Like, what am I figuring out? And then it wasn't until a guy named AJ Styles came back and I had, uh, he was brand, brand new to WWE. Now he was a huge star everywhere else, but in WWE it's just different. And so when he came in, we started having a program together and it, it elevated him. And that was obviously our job is to elevate him. Cause he's, he was, he, he is now a huge star and he was back then, but in WWE, he was brand new. And I think we just elevated each other. And I think everyone in the back saw that and was like, Whoa, we need to, we need to start stepping up on the Miz. And my brain was like, yeah, we need to start stepping up and I need to start stepping up and I need to start realizing how, how good I am. Because I think sometimes you go into when you start losing and you start going down a tunnel that it's like, oh, man, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe maybe this isn't for me. Maybe I should try something else. Maybe, and then you go, wait a second. There's something that clicks and goes, nah, I'm good enough. I'm better than good enough. I'm number one. And then you start really figuring out what you need to do to be a top tier talent. And from then on, I've been going up, up, up and away. I could lose every match in WWE and it will not matter because I am Teflon. Like you cannot, I'm indestructible in WWE. And so now that's my mindset. I am am completely indestructible. I will make you believe whatever I want you to believe, when I want you to believe it. And I'm good enough to have five star matches each and every time five star segments each and every time you can revolve an entire show around me, or you can give me one minute. You better believe you're going to have moments that the fans will have for the last rest of their life. And so that's where I'm at today. Was I there when I I got done with WWE championship in 2011? Hell no. It took a long time to develop that confidence, to get that confidence back. When I was on the rise getting, and I had the title in the WWE, I was, I was like, I'm the man. I'm great. But then once you start going downhill and use that slippery slope, it's like you always see those UFC fighters that lose that one match. Mm-hmm. They're on that, that, that glass trajectory yep. there. And then they went, and then all of a sudden glass what words. happens to them? Like, yeah. yeah. And yep. I've had that glass break and it took a long time to fit, find all the pieces to put it back together and make it. Now it's a nice shiny glass that you can see right through and there's no cracks. And those cracks, by the way, we're all learning moments. Right, and I want to keep those scars. I want to keep those little pieces, if you will, because they taught me what I need to do and how I need to be and how I need to conduct myself in order to be where I am today. Which is, I'm a proud father, a proud husband, and I'm doing what I love in my job. And then even outside, I'm doing what I love. And so I'm I'm I feel like I'm very very happy and in a great spot and just enjoying life.
0: Now that's a proof. Right there also, adversity is a gift, right? Fuck self doubt, self belief is everything, but adversity really, you know, builds that self belief.
4: When you're in that downward spiral, yeah. and people are like and, and, and people are, are are not necessarily ganging up on you, but like telling you you suck and da da da. You have a choice whether you you can believe what they believe or you can believe what you believe, what's deep down in your heart. And so I always go, What do I believe? What do I know in my heart? I know I'm a good guy. Tell I know own- I'm a good person, I know I'm trying to do right by everyone and by everything. And sometimes my ways are different than everybody else's. But in the end, I'm trying to do what's right and do what's best for what I feel like everyone in that's involved in the party. So,
0: I thank you so much for joining me here, man. You know, I haven't seen you in person. Oh yeah,
4: buddy. You moved away.
0: I moved away. We're back there. We're coming to your house. Rosie and I are coming to your house and celebrating. I love it. All right? I love you, dude. Game on. Yeah, to me too, man. Thank you for joining us here on the Unbreakable Podcast.
4: Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it.
2: Hi, this is Shannon Doherty, host of the new podcast, Let's Be Clear with Shannon Doherty. So in this podcast, I'm going to be talking about marriage, divorce, my family, my career. I'm also going to be talking a lot about cancer, the ups and the downs, everything that I've learned from it. It's going to be a wild ride. So listen to Let's Be Clear with Shannon Doherty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.
3: Fear the unknown is the greatest fear of all, and for millions of Americans, there is no greater unknown than Alzheimer's disease. I'm Dana Tirito, a writer and Alzheimer's advocate. On my podcast, The Memory Whisperer, I strive to calm your fears about the disease through thoughtful conversations with experts, care partners, and more. Action is the antidote for fear. Listen to The Memory Whisperer on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.